Mile High Magic is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And it's not just for sports. If you love music and theater, you can get those too. The Broncos have two remaining home games this season against the Lions and the Raiders. Be sure to check out Game Time for tickets to those. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or Apple Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. I can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense in 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! Drew Lockmania is in full swing, Buzz Lightyear and all. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside Mile High Magic, episode number 31. Alongside my partner, Nikki Javala, I am Michael Spencer. Nikki, I don't think anybody saw Drew Lock doing what he did in Houston over the Texans. Last week, you gave him what I think a B plus. I think I gave him a B. This week... What are you giving Drew Locke after that performance against a, a, a what we thought would be a vaunted Texans team? Yeah, dude gets an A. Yeah, he passed yeah. with flying colors. You did good. Yay, <laughs> two gold stars for Drew Locke. Uh, yeah, I, I did not see that coming. I thought the Texans were going to win. I thought he would struggle on his first road start. I thought he'd you know, have some, some good passes, but show the inevitable rookie struggles. Um, he did not look like a rookie at all. Um, he looked like what's been missing for the past four years for the Broncos. And while it's probably premature to say this after only two starts, after seeing how he looked and seeing how much better he got after the first game, um, whereas so many of the quarterbacks in the past got worse and then progressively worse, uh, it's hard not to think of Drew Locke as potentially the guy going forward. Um, really 309 impressive. yards. Yep. 309 yards, three touchdowns, that one interception that you mentioned, 22 of 27. And to me, what you hit on, the progress that he made from game one to game two was what I think was is most impressive. Yeah. And he, he played decent in game one against the Chargers, his first NFL start. I thought he played incredibly well mm-hmm. in, in game two. And that, to me, was the thing that stood out the most. I mean, even if you just take the Texans game in a vacuum, he played really, really well. And then when you compound it with the improvement that he made from game one to game two, that, to me, was the most impressive part of his of his performance against the Texans. Yeah, what what was he, 22 of 27 in passing? I mean, dude yeah. was light, lights out. And the game plan was great, too. I feel like uh, Rich Gangarello, for all the heat he's taken about, kind of playing conservatively and um, just generally some of his decisions and calls, I, I thought he crafted the perfect game plan um, for Drew and against his defense. So um, kudos to Rich. But, yeah, and this is a different team with Drew Locke. A, obviously, much better team. A totally different team. Like, I went through some of the numbers late last night because I have no life. Um, and through through the first 
12 weeks, the Broncos were like among the worst teams in third down conversion rate. I think it was 27.7%, right? And they're still pretty low, but in these last two games alone with Drew Locke as their starter, they've converted 52.2% of their third down attempts. I mean, that's in those two weeks, they rank fourth. I mean, it's remarkable improvement, and, and it all starts there. I mean, the offense is productive, and you know they, they get the ball moving. Third down, the numbers inside the red zone are much improved. Um, and his balls yesterday were on target. I mean, the one to Noah Fant in the end zone that was, unbelievable. was incredible that was unbelievable. ball placement. The one on the sideline, the one that start, kind of started the game mm-hmm. for the Broncos, was incredible ball placement. And it looked like it was going to be picked. Mm-hmm. And, and Drew was like, no, I read that and, and saw that corner coming down and put it to where Noah could use his body to kind of shield the defender and, and get the big completion. And, I mean, that, that was – was so impressive, mm-hmm. and and you you're right. This is a different team over the last two mm-hmm. weeks, and I think the majority of it has to do with who their quarterback has been. They are feeding off his energy. They are feeding off of his swagger. They are feeding off the Buzz Lightyear celebrations, and I think everybody inside that locker room has kind of embraced where they are. And if you're a Bronco fan and you're looking at this, let's remember that Garrett Bowles was the oldest guy on the field yesterday. Uh, well, Juwan James. Um, but, but I mean, this is a incredibly young yeah. core mm-hmm. and nucleus that they have. And I think that speaks volumes as to where this team can be in, in the future, mm-hmm. in the future. Well, this is where I, you know, John Elway, to his credit, he takes a ton of heat for the quarterbacks that he's missed on the draft. And rightfully so there's been a lot of bad picks there, but over the last two years, I mean, he's brought in some really good players and we're seeing it now i mean this is 2018 and 2019 these are where all these players have come from and it's not just the draft is college free agency it's the waiver wire i mean andrew beck he was a guy that was supposed to be just like a seat warmer until andy janovich uh healed up and yet here he is i mean he's a key contributor to that offense um i just like seeing that they had a system that did not look like it was stuck in 1995 You know, they did not have um, an immobile quarterback. They had a young quarterback who has obviously a strong arm, but is also mobile. And they kind of crafted this system around him, which is not something we've really seen in Denver over the years. You know, it's just kind of been stagnant on that side of the ball. Um, So I think this game gives any fan a tremendous amount of hope for where it's going, you know. And the youth is a big part of that. Because these players are going to be here for quite some time. Um, the only real uncertainty is on the offensive line, since they have you know some older guys on expiring contracts. But um, you know you got a key piece in, in Dalton Reisner there. If Juwan James can stay healthy, they got him on a pretty hefty contract. But everywhere around them, they're they're a good offense if they can just keep it rolling, keep some consistency. I mean, I think this is. You know, I think back to a few weeks ago when people were calling for Rich Gangarello to be fired. I'm like, the dude has had to change systems for three different quarterbacks now. And, you know, the the team as a whole has dealt with so much change, be it with the coaching staff or starting quarterback system, whatever. They need some continuity. And now that they have some talent, 
let's see what they can do with it. Well, and all of that was in addition to the fact that you were talking about a guy who was in his first year calling plays. Mm -hmm. And so you knew there was going to be a learning curve for Rich Gangarello. And then you factor in that he's now on his third quarterback for 12 games. Yeah, he's a rookie too. Yes, yes. Um, but I think, you know, the thing that stood out to me too yesterday was, was not only the play calling, but the aggressive nature in the play mm-hmm. calling, especially in the second half. Yep. And that was one of the things that had been harped on, uh, really for the entire season, no matter who the quarterback was. But you go back to when the Broncos defense, uh, forces a turnover on downs by the Texans. They get the ball back. They go score a touchdown. Then they get the ball coming out of the second half. They go and score another touchdown. And then even on their next drive, when Locke threw an interception, that was a drive that spanned eight plays, 50 yards, and basically five minutes off of mm-hmm. the game clock. That, to me, was a quintessential drive because it was really important that they not go three and out after scoring a touchdown. And how many times have we seen that? But what did they do? They stayed aggressive. Mm-hmm. Drew Locke got a little too aggressive in that mm-hmm. interception. But that, to me, was like, okay, this is what we expect to see on a week-in, week-out basis. And for everybody who was calling for Rich Gangarello and was mad at him for his play calling, and, and rightfully so, they did get a little conservative um, at points, especially in the second half all season long Mm -hmm. but that to me was like okay this is what we want more of right and this is what we expect out of this offense moving forward yeah and I think the other good thing is you know there's there's been some blips obviously based on what is being said or not said post game and kind of the confusion there but you know the one good thing is Vic Fangio is able to tell his coaches what he wants more of, what he wants less of, and that's again something that the last regime was unable to do. Um, that's why they waited so long to eventually fire Mike McCoy, and that's why the offense was as bad as it was with Bill Musgrave. Um, you know they've made changes throughout, and that's that's a credit to having the right staff. Um, and, and the players that are built for this system. So, I mean, even even Vic said, yeah, they were they were more aggressive because they wanted a better balance of running and passing, and they got that. Um, I just I, I just thought it, everything came together in this one game. It was just perfect. And think about the difference of what's being said post game after that loss at Indianapolis, where Joe Flacco's like, "We got to be mm-hmm. more aggressive. I don't know what we're doing." Blah blah blah. And then this game, and Drew Locke's like, "Skangarello called a great game." You mm-hmm. know, he called him Skangs, and then like corrected himself. And I'm like, "Drew, you're no longer in college. It's okay for you to throw out <laughs> slang, you know, nicknames for your for your offensive coordinator. You're a professional. You actually probably make more money than he does, so it's cool." Um, and and there's just such a juxtaposition between where the this team is now and where it was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with Drew Locke and a lot of it has to do with that play calling as well. I'm Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger, Universe Protection Unit. Uh, let's talk about Buzz Lightyear, shall Buzz we? Buzz Lightyear. Uh, oh, so great. <laughs> I knew we were so going to get a the, great soundbite out of this as soon as the question was asked. And I knew none of the reporters in there could refrain from asking about Toy Story. So you you want to set it up or should I? Well, it was it was half of the questions that Drew Locke got asked oh yesterday God, after so the good. game. It was so good. So this started earlier in the week, and somebody was asked about who's the most vocal in the huddle outside of, of Drew Locke. The question was asked to Drew, and he was like, Dalton Reisner. Dalton gives me so much shit in the huddle, it's not even funny. Uh, and he was like, I, I have the, the play sheet that Drew's always looking at, and he was like, he, he refers to me as Buzz Lightyear. 
And and then it got taken to a whole nother level on Sunday from the first touchdown on, which I thought was great. The thing that was most surprising maybe about the celebration was that it was apparently Connor McGovern's idea right? of all people. One of the older guys on the line. I mean, older, relatively speaking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's not the one. I thought it would definitely be Dalton, but it was Connor Drew said, which is, yeah, interesting. So Drew's out there shooting the lasers after after each touchdown. And, you know, the Broncos even got into it during the week with their social media team tweeting out a picture of, of Dalton as Woody, which, you know, there's Chad Kelly references littered throughout that. Um, and Drew as, as Buzz Lightyear. And then Dalton got in on it, retweeting it like, hey, why did you guys slim me down so much, um, you know, as, as Woody? And I just, I I think that, this whole thing about Buzz Lightyear and the celebrations and the way the Broncos players have handled this tells you so much about them because there are guys in the league who would not want any part of this, mm-hmm. right? Like they would be too cool to be Buzz Lightyear and to be shooting the lasers after touchdowns. It would seem uncharacteristic. Um, I think it actually fits this team perfectly. Yeah. Well, I think it shows two things that, they actually like each other, um, which is something that m- couldn't have been said at the start of the season um, in last season. And maybe, you know, over the last three, really, um, they really do like each other. It also says they're super young and I feel super old. <laughs> Toy Story came out a year after a year before Drew Locke was born. Think about that. He was born in 1996. This is nuts. Um, but I, I think it also shows they, they have confidence, you know, they're not afraid to kind of be themselves and, and really take ownership of, you know, the, who they are as a group. I think you need that. I think that that side of the ball has lacked confidence for years just because they've always been the weakest link, you know, the, the defense, you know, it, while it hasn't been as great as it has, as it was in 2015, it has always led the way. It's always been special teams screwing up or the offense not getting it done. Um, and, and over the past two weeks, that offense has gotten it done and more than getting it done. Um, so I think it's a good thing, um, definitely. I just, damn, I feel old. Not going to lie. Right. Super old. Yeah, I was talking to Draymond Jones last week. And he was like, yeah, you know, it's really weird being in here playing with guys that were born in the 80s and the 90s. And I was like, I was like whoa, whoa, slow dude. down, like, homie. Like, yes, <laughs> I love the yes. 80s. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> he's one of those guys. I mean, he was he's 22, oh you know, gosh. and obviously he's on the defensive side of the football. But but there are a lot, he's one of those, you know, young guys that you expect to 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 play well. And um, can you imagine Trevor Simeon doing something like this? Paxton Lynch? Doing something. Well, I mean, that was Paxton, never. Yeah, Paxton's. Yeah, he's a different kind of young. I. But <laughs> I won't go there. <laughs> but I mean, this is this is what has been lacking, and it's it's part of a broader conversation, really. And it seems weird, I know, to tie Buzz Lightyear into leadership, but we have talked so many times yeah. over the past couple of years about who's the leader. Who's the leader on this offense? And Emmanuel Sanders came out and said that he was a leader on this offense, but which we all thought was bogus. But this is an offense that has been lacking leadership since Peyton Manning retired. Yeah. And and now this type of stuff leads to leadership qualities and it shows leadership characteristics. Drew Locke 
couldn't be doing this if his guys didn't like him, if they didn't want to play for mm-hmm. him, if they didn't have his back. They have his back because he's a leader. They have his back because he's a gamer, because he's gone out and proven it time and time time and time again mm-hmm. uh, in, in the last two games. And now they can do this type of stuff and get away with it. They can also do it because they don't suck. I mean, it's hard to yes. find a leader when, you know, are they going to turn to Joe Flacco who's killing them on offense? I mean, that was the other thing that was – Weird about when he came out in uh, after the Indianapolis game, and you know was arguing for them to be more aggressive. Well, he was he was arguably the biggest problem um, because he he wasn't seeing blitzes, he couldn't move. Um, so I, I think a lot of it just comes down to success. I mean, that 2015 defense did so well; they liked each other. Um, there were a number of leaders. Because they kicked ass a lot of time, you know, and I, I just think it changes the entire dynamic of a team, you know, when you're winning. The defense likes the young guys now. Before it was the mm-hmm. older guys can't stand the young guys, but when that offense is getting yards, first downs, and points, it helps the defense. So, hey, you're all right in our book, you know. Um, they just have to keep it going. They need some consistency. Um, two games is a great start. They've had two game stretches before. Let's keep it going. See where this leads. Um, unfortunately, they don't have much time left in the season, and then right. they have you know a bunch of guys on expiring deals, but – They've shown a lot so far. I thought it was really interesting the comment Vic Fangio made at his press conference on Monday about how he felt like it was beneficial that Drew got that first start at home. Yeah. Um, and I, I totally agree with that. And you and I were kind of on that same boat when we were looking at the calendar and kind of where Drew Locke fit coming off of injured mm-hmm. reserve. Him getting that first start against the Chargers I at home I thought was huge. And I think that gave him the confidence to go in and perform the way he performed against the Texans. I also think it had helped that he had played at NRG Stadium before yep. um, when he was in college. I think that factored in. And and then this week against the Chiefs is is kind of the real test, right? Like, all of this is well and good. If he goes out and bombs against the Chiefs at Arrowhead, then the stage is going to be too big. But how can he not be brimming with confidence? How can this offense right. not be brimming with confidence based on what he has done for them in the past two games? So I really feel like Vic Fangio and those guys deserve a lot of credit for the way they have set this up. And it has obviously panned out well because Drew has played so Yeah, and, and I know there are a number of calls of you know or hypotheticals now of, well, why didn't you bring him in sooner? Why did you wait so long? Well, they had to wait at least eight weeks because he was on IR and you're not going to start him immediately if he hadn't practiced. So, you know, is he going to start at home against the Browns on no practice? No. Are you going to start him on the road against Minnesota? I mean, that would have been disastrous. You could have killed his confidence immediately and they could have gotten totally schlacked. You know, so it's it, it, it was the right time. And, of course, it's always the right time in hindsight. You know, it, it didn't seem like that at the time. But, hey, it worked out. So, um, and, and I think it was good for Drew to wait a bit. Um to kind of have to bide his time before going in there. And I, I don't think the Broncos had an option at that point. Uh, and, you know, just everything kind of came together. For the longest time, the, the clock has worked against the Broncos, and I feel like this time it finally worked in their favor. I think that Drew Locke having to wait mm-hmm. pissed him off a little bit. Yeah. 
And I think there was, I think that chip on his shoulder, which was already there, given that he was a second round draft pick and felt like he should have been drafted higher. And, and given that he got hurt, I think that provided a, a, a little bit of a bigger chip. I think him having to wait provided a big chip too. And I think honestly, that has a little something to do with his confidence and his moxie and him basically saying, even to his coaching staff, hey, how you like me now? Right. You know, right. and if that's what it takes, I'm all about yeah. it. Yeah. And he, he's going to face way more adversity than this, let's be honest. I mean, he's had, you know, a, a kind of a hero's welcome in these two games. Um, going home to play in Kansas City, that's going to be a test. He's not going to be this 300-yard superstar every game. And then how does he handle that? That's what I'm ultimately looking to see because his his – I I don't know him that well, but I'd say in terms of football, the most adversity he's faced is that freshman year at Missouri when, you know, he was thrown into the fire. He struggled quite a bit, and, you know, they went on that losing streak. Um, but this is – everything's different in the pros. It's much more magnified. Even though he played at a, a big-time school, you know, it's – the Broncos are a religion out here. It's going to be a little bit different mm-hmm. when you're going to get boos if you don't play well or whatever. I mean, even Peyton Manning got booed, so – um, curious to see how he handles that, but we have to we have to let people hear a Buzz Lightyear like Vic's. Con- it's just I just crack up just thinking about it. He was asked if he's seen Toy Story, and of course he hasn't. Um, and he couldn't even say Buzz Lightyear. I think it came out as Buzz Lightyear. So um, yeah, just listen to this whole back and forth here. It's incredible. How do you feel about the whole Buzz Lightyear? You know, I don't know anything about it. I mean, I know it has something to do with Drew, but honest to God, I don't know what the uh, parallel is there. So you haven't seen the movies? Or? No. I can't tell you the last movie I've seen. But, but I, I guess it's as long as they find something to bond on, right? Is that a... Yeah, I mean, sometimes something silly uh, can be a rallying cry for some people. Obviously, helps you guys write an article or two, or it gives you something to talk about. But then, when you get uh, not have such a good performance, then I'm sure Buzz Lightyear will be what's his name, Buzz Lightyear, will be made fun of it. You know, so everything has its shelf life. Buzz Lightyear. Maybe the least surprising news out of Vic Fangio's press conference was that he had not seen that is correct. Uh, yes, Toy Story. that is correct. Yeah, um, very on brand. Not only had he not seen Toy Story, but he couldn't even tell us the last movie that he had seen. That yes. was very Vic yes, Fangio esque. Yes, you know what wasn't Vic Fangio esque? Him giving the guys a day off on Tuesday. That was incredible. And the reaction in that locker room. The reaction was my favorite. The guys were as shocked as everybody else that they so were getting funny. an extra day off. If you haven't watched this uh, victory speech, it's on the Broncos website where they give the game balls to Drew Locke and Kareem Jackson. And then afterwards, um, Vic gives them the day off and they're in total shock. I think that's Tyler Hill, the assistant strength coach. In the back, you just just watch it. It's it's priceless. He's having like an outer body. I know. Experience. He's like, oh my god, like, what is what? going on? <laughs> it's fantastic. I think that was great, though. Like, absolutely, they deserve mm-hmm. an extra day off. And and we've talked a lot uh, about the grind and, and training camp and all that. The I, I really feel like for them to go into Houston to play the way that they played and then to get that type of reward, mm-hmm. you got to realize how big that is. Yep. 
for these guys. There is nothing in the NFL like hearing your coach say, see you on Wednesday. They love it. And that was evident in that video. And I think that's going to play really, really well inside that locker room moving forward, especially with a big week this week taken on the Chiefs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Vic works his guys. I mean, those practices are probably harder than any coach they've had. And their schedule, they they don't get a day off. Really? Um, Monday, it used to be Tuesdays that players get off and they would, you know, go do charity events or just spend the, you know, their day with the family. But now their day off is Monday. And to think about how they must feel after a game when they've just been, you know, feel like a truck ran over you. Some guys have to come in for rehab. So it's not really a day off. So to get that one day off was, was big. Um, also big was the play of Kareem Jackson, which I... I mean, not to toot my own horn. I am totally taking credit for this because I saw him come out of the tunnel. He was super hyped. And I turned to Jeff Legwald and I said, Kareem Jackson is going to have a monster game. And he didn't believe me. And what now, Jeff? Win that one. So I like Kareem a lot, but he is a liar. Yes. He is yeah. an absolute Well, he's bad at lying, liar. too, so I don't know if that makes it better or worse, <laughs> but this whole bit about it not being he emotional. He said all or, week oh, that it was not personal, that it was not a big deal, that it was just any other game. Did you see the and hit he, he put on DeAndre Hopkins? Lied. Did you see that hit? He, he put DeAndre Hopkins in the medical tent, like... Come on. <laughs> the, I mean, you're right. From the moment he came out of the tunnel, it was it was totally different. Yeah. And I, and that is normal, right? Like everyone expected him to say for him to play that way. I think also everyone ex- also expected him to say, "Oh no, it's not a big deal because that's what they do." And and he said, "You know, I didn't want to make it about me and and whatever." But not only did he play out of his mind, that defense around him played out of their mind and and really wanted to play well for him. Yeah. And I think there were so many guys in the locker room that, that said that after the game, that they wanted to play well because they knew how important it was for Kareem. And that tells you a lot about the impact that he has had on this team in, in still just his first year here in Denver. But I thought that the way he played, I mean, it was almost maniacal. Like, he was a maniac. If he had gotten that pick six, the one where he he almost had it, and I it, it bobbled, it. and he would have taken it to the house. He had a clear path. Um, that would have been incredible. If he had an interception that, whatever we're calling it, that defensive touchdown that was, you know, a handoff from Jeremiah Tachu, and then a pick six. I mean, it's crazy game. And, you know, not that... 31 is old. I'd like to think that it's not for my own sake. But while we're talking about Toy Story and all these young guys, he's, what, 31, right? Playing a new position yeah, so. and playing lights out like this. It's impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He had a- Playing a new position for a new yeah. team. You know? Um, and, I mean, every time he hit somebody yesterday or every time he made a play, he looked over at that Texas Oh, bench. I know. And 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 flexed and let him knew and uh, let him know rather, and that it was it was awesome to see him have that type of game and and we talked about that on our last episode. Like I was pulling for Kareem and for Bradley Roby as well, who didn't have nearly the game that Kareem yeah. had. Um, but but for Kareem to have that is was just awesome and for his his teammates to rally around him and and want him to have that i thought was fantastic and you know we talked a lot about swag on the offensive side and what drew lock has done to that that side of the football 
You don't recover a fumble and then look to turn and hand it off to one of your teammates so that he can. That was Baltimore Ravens like 2005 type stuff with Ed Reed and Ray Lewis and and that type of defense. That was a a, a fantastic heads up play uh, by Atachu and by Kareem and by the yeah. rest of that Broncos defense as well. That's something we wouldn't have seen from this team earlier in the year when they were losing four straight games. Yeah, game. and I, I just think the physicality of Kareem Jackson. I mean, I always remember. Akib saying when they this was after they cut TJ Ward that they're getting rid of all the dogs on the team meaning they're they're getting rid of all the guys that kind of had that fire and played physical and were pretty hungry to get after it um they haven't they still had Chris Harris obviously and Von Miller we know loves the game but it's a different kind of thing with Von but I feel like with Kareem they they've brought that physicality back to the defensive backfield, which has been missing, which they need. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I thought the defense played quite well. The second half, I kind of agree with Vic in that it it felt a little painful because it was, it was just the Texans padding their stats, (laughs) even though they were going to lose. And, you know, to see them see the Broncos give up a a quick seven points. That was, it was a little nerve wracking because you didn't want to see a repeat of the Minnesota collapse in the second half. Um, but they, they held it together, and given their lack of depth, the injuries across the board on that side of the ball. I mean, losing Derek Wolf, you cannot understate how much that hurts them, you know, against the run and the pass. Um, but they, they held it together with a lot of young and experienced guys, and yeah, credit there. That's a heck of a performance by the Broncos. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think losing Derek Wolf and and for them to be down Derek Wolf, be down Malik Reed, yeah. who was their number two pass rusher coming into the game, um, and, and was inactive and still have that type of performance. I mean, they held the Texans to seventy five yards of offense yeah. in the first half. Yep. I mean that that was nuts. And you're right, there was a little PTSD when Deshaun Watson went soaring in for that touchdown. You're like, oh my God, here we go again. You know, how many times yeah. have we seen this movie this year and really for the past three years? Um, but the fact that they they held it together, thanks in large part to their offense and that drive, you know, that it did an interception. Um, but I thought I thought as a whole they played really, really well yesterday. And that hit on uh, that Kareem had on Hopkins, that resonates. Yeah. Right? Like, that type of stuff yep. resonates not only on the defensive side, but on the offensive side as well. When those guys are out there flying around and delivering blows mm-hmm. like that, how can it not resonate with the rest of the team? And I thought that that hit in particular had a big impact yesterday. I was trying to think if there was another game where they played like this in all three phases. And I don't remember one last year. I mean, there was just kind of all a blur. It was just a lot of bad. The Arizona game, the Arizona game last year. Yeah. The Arizona game, they played well. I mean, they put up monster points. I remember, you know, the defense coming up huge, obviously Vaughn doing his thing. And then they had Todd Davis's pick six, Chris Harris taking one of the house, Mm -hmm. but that's really been it. That yeah, that's right. Emmanuel Sanders threw it. But touchdown this is one where, one. You, th- yeah. But that the, that's the only game that stands out yeah. like that to where it was completely yeah. dominant. And this one, I still I feel like it gives you more hope because you because of the quarterback situation. I think it always comes back to the offense and that position alone. I I firmly believe that the Broncos are never going to go anywhere, even with a great defense, if they don't have a quarterback. You know, Peyton Manning was not himself in 2015, but he was smart enough to mask a lot of his deficiencies and that of his offensive line, which was a group that had not played together at all when it when it started the season. Um, 
But that's that's kind of what made Peyton great, even when he couldn't physically do the things he used to. Um, but until they get that quarterback, they're not going anywhere. And I finally feel like they, they have that guy. And what stands out, too, is that four different guys on the offensive side scored touchdowns. You know, like it's not like he was just throwing yeah. it up to Cortland Sutton and letting Cortland Sutton go do all the work. He he completed passes to yeah. ten different yeah. receivers, and and that is going to stress defenses, you know, more than anything, and make this team dynamic um, from an offensive perspective. Yeah, and they opened with a three tight end set. I mean, th- that's when I kind of knew it was like, oh, this could be fun. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> the, I mean. The the game opening script is always interesting, but the fact that they were able to keep it going, I mean they did it they did a nice job all around there. Um so we'll see what happens in Kansas City. That'll be a interesting one. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's gonna be a really, really interesting game and I I think everybody's excited to see kind of how Drew Locke performs and how that offense performs and whether or not they can keep this going. because um, yep. the Chiefs obviously on a on a roll after uh yesterday's win over the Patriots. Yeah, Chiefs games are always uh, benchmarks for the Broncos in their season. And they never a... play well in Kansas City in December. No, no. Historically I hate bad. Kansas City in, De- in December. Gosh, do you remember the. <sighs> that was a really depressing one. It was a total downpour. And come to find out, um, Gary Kubiak told Elway the night before that he was resigning. Um, I think the suit pants I wore that night game. are still trying to dry out. <laughs> Like it yeah, was that, that was, much uh, of a downpour. It was awful. That the field was flooded. Was the tunnel was flooded. It was yes. disgusting. Um, so I heard it's supposed to snow in Kansas City. This should be great. No you problem. enjoy that. I'll be watching from the comfort of my office what? here in Denver. Slacker. Oh uh, my god. It's a wise decision on my part, is what that was. A it it is. It, it yeah. really is. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, all right. Let's get into some <laughs> over unders from uh, from this game against the Texans as we wrap up this edition of Mile High Magic. Our first over under was Drew Lock touchdown passes. We had this way too low. We had it at one and a half, and uh, he surprised everybody. Had three, all of them in the first half. Uh, you cho- you took the over. I took the over as well. Uh, so a win for both of us. On that one, Deshaun Watson total touchdowns, and uh, I'm going to throw a penalty flag on this one. We set the number at two. He finished with three. One of them came in garbage time with 25 seconds left. You took the over. I took the under. So congratulations. You get the win in that one. Thanks to that garbage time touchdown. Thank you, Deshaun Watson. Unbelievable. Uh, and then our, our final over-under was uh, combined interceptions by Bradley Roby and Kareem Jackson. We said it at oh. one. It was indeed mm. one. Uh, that, of course, coming from Kareem. Could have been two. Could have been a pick six. Uh, unfortunately, that was not the case for Kareem. Uh, you took the under. I took the over. That's a push. Uh, so we both finished at one. No, you got the win. Yeah, Sweep. you finished at 2 0 oh, one and I finished at one, one, and one. You're killing me in the over unders this year. I don't I know am, what the uh, I? I don't know what the does final it hurt? Score is there. I'm sorry. Yeah, it does. You, you a must, bit. I bet losing sucks. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I feel like that's. I wouldn't of my know. Life. you wouldn't know you just cover the team (laughs) you're not responsible for the wins and losses at the end here um so obviously a really big week the broncos have the day off tomorrow uh which is a a bit of a change and then they'll be back at work on wednesday uh we'll be back with you later in the week as uh, we get you set for 
Sunday's game in Kansas City. Final road trip of the season uh, for the Broncos, and then they come home for two home games against Detroit and Oakland uh, to uh, to wrap up the season here in 2019. And uh, Drew, Drew Locke on pace to finish the year 5-0. and We'll see uh, see what happens. To me, the biggest game remaining on the schedule, Nikki, for, for him is, is this game uh, next Sunday in Definitely. Kansas City. Definitely. I mean, just because he's going home, you know there's going to be, you know, distractions with family, friends being there, a lot of pressure, whether he invited it or not. Um, it's it's a huge game for him. It's a benchmark game. And if he can get this one, it kind of feels like the Lions and the Raiders should be relatively easy to, to end They should the be. They should be, um, given the way, you know, the Raiders are playing lately. Um but I, I think if he can play solid against the Chiefs, even if they don't win, I think to have you know three good games, three his three first games, um, really says a lot about his future. So it's my thinking anyway. All right, well that's going to do it for this edition of Mile High Magic from my partner Nikki Javala. I'm Michael Spencer. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Again, we'll be back with you later in the week for episode number 32 as we get you set for the Broncos and Chiefs on Sunday morning from Kansas City. Thanks so much for listening everyone to Infinity and Beyond.